Thanks, Derek. And thanks, Cynthia. You gave me enough time to run downstairs and go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's like, Cynthia's talking. I should have enough time. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, as Derek said, I'm Michelle, and I'm Australian, so I have an accent. Um, and I was actually... Derek said to me last week, he's like, I'm really excited about you preaching because I get to hear your accent for an extended period of time. <laughs> and I was, but I was thinking about that this week. I've been in the States now for almost four years. Um, and it is, it is different being a foreigner in a, in a foreign country. And I think when, when people look at me, they probably, they wouldn't expect that I'm not American. So until I open my mouth, I can blend in. But when I open my mouth, it's pretty obvious that I'm not from here. And um, it's interesting, people's responses. I always wonder, like, at what point do people realize when they're talking to me that I'm not American? And I, I get different questions about that. Like, some people will say, some people will try to guess. So some people will say, are you English? And I'm like, not quite. Australian. And then others will, I guess they realize, but they don't want to assume. So they'll say, are you from around here? And I was like, hmm, not quite. <laughs> the other side of the world. Um, but <laughs> no matter what I do, I can't, I will stand out. My accent makes me distinct. And I was thinking that as Christians, there should be something that makes us distinct as well. Um, there should be something that is like our accent in in our lives that um, that stands out to the people around us. And Jesus said that the world would know that we are Christians by our love. So our love and our actions, our heart for people around us should be like our accent. We shouldn't be able to blend in. We should stand out like a light on a hill without, because of our love for others. And we've been talking in this series, John's been talking about um, the fullness of God. So I just want to go back to Ephesians chapter 3, which has kind of been our key, um, key verses in this series. So if we turn to Ephesians chapter 3 um, and verses 14 through 19. So it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so John's been talking about um, what it means to be filled with the fullness of God, and we can see that love is really a key um, point in this passage. The word love shows up three times. Um, that uh, in verse 17 it says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. And then in verse 19, to know this love. And I think I missed one. In verse 18, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So the love is really key to understanding what is the fullness of God. The fullness of God is the fullness of his love. 
And um, so we've been, John's been unpacking, really unpacking what is the fullness of God and how do we walk in the fullness of God? What are the things that God has already accomplished for us and are um, facts that we may or may not be aware of, but whether or not we're aware of doesn't change those facts. Um, and then what are things that we can grow in walking out? And some of the things we've been talking about are the fact that we are a new creation. So in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So we are a new creation. We have a new nature through Christ. And this is a fact. Whether you're aware of it or not, if you've believed in Christ, you have a new nature. And so, but part of our, I guess, responsibility as Christians is understanding what does that mean that I have a new nature and how do I walk in that? How does the knowledge that I have a new nature and I am a new creation change the way that I live? And so then John has also been talking about walking out holiness. Uh, We talked about, I think, two weeks ago now, and also walking in the spirit he talked about last week. So today, um, I want to add to this list and talk about righteousness, and um, righteousness is, is a topic that um, from when I first became a Christian has really, I guess, fascinated me. I've always been really fascinated by this idea of righteousness and feel like there's so much more than what, we, than what meets the eye when, you, when we think about righteousness. And um, back when I, I became a Christian in, uh, when I was in high school and um, about a year later I started leading a Christian group at my high school um, like a small, small group Bible study. And I was incredibly, incredibly shy. Um, I hated speaking in front of people. I don't know what made the people that like chose me to be the leader. I was like, why me? What do I know? And, and I, I had so much trouble. I loved reading the word, but I had so much trouble expressing myself to people. Um, and so, but one day I found about halfway through the year, I found this verse in Proverbs, um, Proverbs 28, 1, and it says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I felt like for me, that was, that was a promise from God, because um, we are righteous through what God has done, and so that boldness is like a promise for me to hold on to, and um, I'm probably jumping ahead of myself. We'll get into more about that. Uh, so righteousness, um, what is righteousness? I think righteousness in our world today, outside of the church, is not really a word that we use. It's really a word that we use in the church. Um, and I, I looked it up on Google for a, a definition, and it's, it's kind of interesting. Google had this little feature that has a, a, like a graph of the uses of the word. And I assume it's in, like, in books or texts that Google search. And from 1800s, it's kind of like up here, and then it comes down as you get closer and closer to the present time. And so it's very, very rarely used in our modern day language. Um, so I think it's important because it is such a key concept in the Bible to understand what it means. So Google uh, defines it as the quality of being morally right or justifiable. And um, another a Bible commentary that I looked at described it as the state or quality of that which accords with some recognized standard, which is a, a bit of a mouthful. Basically, it's, it's to do with the state or the quality of being right. Um, but there's a lot of other, I guess, connotations that are and richness to the word um, as it's used in the Bible. Uh, 
And so we, we particularly need to understand biblical righteousness and what it means when the Bible talks about righteousness. Because I think the main way that we use the word righteousness that I can think of in this day and age is self-righteousness, which has a very negative connotation linked with pride, linked with someone who thinks they know everything and wants to show everyone that they're right. And that has absolutely nothing to do with biblical righteousness. So I think it's really important that we understand that distinction. Um, So let's look up uh, in Deuteronomy. We're going to start in the Old Testament, which I feel like is something we don't spend enough time in. I love the Old Testament. Um, So Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 4. It says about God, He is the rock, His works are perfect, and all His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is He. So in the NIV, the NIV uses the word just, but in um, a number of other translations, and it uses the word righteous. So the word translated as just in this passage in the NIV is the word normally translated righteous. And so this is ta- the first thing we learn about righteousness is that God is righteous. Um, and that means that his, his actions are consistent with his own nature and promises, and everything he does is right, is just. And, um, and so he is righteous. But what does it mean for us? What is righteousness for us in the way that we live? So um, if we look even further earlier in the, into the Old Testament, the very first use of the word righteous is in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. It's talking about Noah. And it says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among all the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So this is the very first use of the word righteous in the Bible. And often it's really good to look at when the word is first used because something about the usage um, when it's first used gives us a clue about what the word means and some of the connotations. And the key bit that I want you to notice in this is that alongside this description of Noah as a righteous man, is this description that he walked faithfully with God. And so what I want to point out is that righteousness is linked to our relationship with God. And righteousness, as it's used in the, in the Old Testament particularly, but throughout the Bible, is, is a very relational word. It's not just about doing what's right, following a law. It's a, um, it's a word that is relational in its nature. And it's, um, the word in Hebrew has roots of loyalty and of truthfulness. So in thinking about this idea of righteousness as something that's relational, it's relational both, it refers to both to our relationship with God and with others. So let's think first about um, our relationship with God and how righteousness plays out in our relationship with God. And we have in um, Genesis, so I'm going to, I think I'm going to end up reading a lot of scripture today because I I really think it's important that um, everything we believe is based in the word. And um, so just bear with me as we go through all the scriptures, but it's good because you don't want to hear my opinions about things, right? We want to know what the word says. 
So uh, Genesis 15 verse 6 says, Abram believed the Lord and he credited, credited it to him as righteousness. So um, here we have through Abram's faith that Abram's faith was um, credited to him as righteousness. So because of Abram's faith, God brought him into a right relationship with God. And this is, um, so for, in order for our relationship with God to be righteous, it needs us to be faithful to each other's expectations. So our relationship with God, walking in righteousness with God, is walking in accordance with his expectations of us, um, following his commandments, um, walking in, that's what it means to walk in righteousness as far as it comes refers to our relationship with God. And then in um, Leviticus, uh, chapter 19, verse 15, one of the first, so there's there's two words for righteousness in the Old Testament, and then there's one word for righteous. So the first um, verse that I looked at for Noah is the first way, uh, verse where righteous is used, and then these next two are the first of each of those righteousness words. Um, so Leviticus 19:15 says, "Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly." And let me, um, I've, been, I've been looking at the ESV while preparing this, so let me just pull that up and read it from there. Um, 19, 15. Ah. You shall do no injustice in judging a case. You shall not be partial to the poor or show a preference for the mighty, but in righteousness and according to the merits of the case, judge your neighbor. Actually, that's the amplified. But it still has that, that word righteousness in there. So we see that, um, we see that righteousness is... Um, here it's in relation to our relationships with others. So it goes, it's not just about our relationship with God. It's also about our relationship with other people. And I think... Maybe when we think about righteousness, we might think about just obeying laws and that we can do it in isolation. But righteousness, we can't live a righteous life in isolation from others because to live righteously means to be in right relationship with God, but also to be in right relationship with the people around us and to do right by the poor, to do right by um, our neighbor, so it's, it's really something that has to be done in community. And we can talk about holiness simply in relation to our, our relationship with God, and maybe we could live a holy life just by ourselves in isolation. But righteousness is really played out in community. And so then the, the, the other use of the word righteousness is really in a legal sense or a pronouncement of innocence. So that's the other way it's used. Um, So the other thing with righteousness is that it can be used in both what's called a static way and a dynamic way. And I thought, I thought this was really cool. So 
let me explain what I mean by static and dynamic first. So if we think about the grass being cut, so just say your neighbor has a really long lawn, and then one day you notice and you say the grass is cut. This is static. So it, it describes a change in state. It describes something that, that is. The grass is or has been cut. But dynamic would be if someone was out there mowing, currently mowing the lawn. And so in English, we would say the grass is being cut. So righteousness, as it's used, is both used to describe a change in state or a state and something that's dynamic. And so let's, if we go to the New Testament to try to understand this, uh, Romans spends a lot of time talking about this um, change of state or the static version. Um, meaning of the word righteousness. So if we turn to Romans chapter 3. And we read verses 10 and 11 say, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. So here, in and of ourselves, we have no righteousness because we can't, because of our sin, we can't be in right relationship with God. But then it goes on to say in verse 21, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So we see that through faith in Jesus, um, there is a change of state, the change of the state of our heart. And we move from the category of unrighteous to righteous. And as far as God is concerned, when we put our faith in Jesus, we are righteous. He wipes the slate completely clean. And we are righteous in his sight. So wherever you see righteousness described in the Bible, wherever you see a promise for the righteous, that promise is for you if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. Because God sees you as righteous. He sees your heart as righteous. And I think that's really important because often we can look at ourselves and we can see our imperfection. We see our limitations. But God says, I see you as righteous. I see you as being righteous free from sin, in right relationship with me. And it's not based on what we do. It's not based on how closely we follow the law. It's based on what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And um, I want to take a pause and actually give you guys a quick Chinese lesson um, because the word for righteousness in Chinese, um, the way it's written actually speaks to biblical truth. And um, there's a lot of Chinese characters so that have a very rich um, meaning to them. Chinese doesn't have an alphabet. Each character is a word. Um, and if you're interested in learning more, there are a lot of, like, there are theories as to why this is the case. How do the Chinese characters have all this biblical truth? We can talk about that later. But, um, John, if you could put that up. So this is um, the character for righteousness in the traditional Chinese um, characters. So currently Taiwan and Hong Kong use the traditional characters and mainland China and most of the rest of Chinese speaking world use simplified. And that l- the little thing at the top that I've got is the simplified character. So it looks very different and doesn't have 
the depth of meaning. But if we break this up, it's actually broken up into two characters. So um, the one on the top, if you could, yeah. The one on the top is the character for Lamb. And the one on the bottom is the character for me. So in this character for righteousness, we have the lamb over me makes me righteous. Isn't that cool? So, um, yeah, it's a little Chinese lesson for you all. And it's pronounced yi. So righteousness, righteous. Be through Jesus' sacrifice as the lamb of God, we are made righteous. And I think this revelation should change the way we think about ourselves. Um, and this is something I've, um, I have had a lot of trouble with in my life. I've had a lot of, spent a lot of time thinking about because um, before I became a Christian, I had basically no self-esteem. I was, as I said, very shy, um, hated myself really. And, um, but through understanding what God has done, has changed the way I view myself. And even... Even um, I was thinking, I think it was last week, about preparing this message. And I was thinking, God, I have nothing to say. I don't know why I agreed to do this. I don't know why I'm doing this. Why do I, why? Like, I have nothing to say. I was feeling, I was, it had been a long week at work and I was feeling really down. And I just felt like God said, you don't need to have anything to say because I've got something to say. And you don't need to be um, any good in and of yourself. I have nothing to offer in and of myself, but I have the Holy Spirit living in me, and God has made me righteous and brought me into right relationship with Him, and so then all I need to do is be a vessel for Him to speak through, because He has something to say. And so I want to I encourage you with that. I know that there are some fellow introverts in the crowd. Don't um, get frustrated with your, your own inability to speak, like, or if there's anyone who, you know, you struggle with um, insecurity as well just remember that you don't have to have anything to offer because you have the creator of the universe living inside of you and he has something to offer through you and he has made you righteous he has made you holy and that that changes the way we live it changes the way we think about ourselves and so the any promise you find in the bible about the righteous, for the righteous, is for us. Just like I I shared Proverbs 28 verse 1, the righteous are as bold as a lion. That boldness is a promise for us. It's part of our inheritance. God has made us righteous, so he's also made us bold. And there are many, many other promises throughout, particularly in the Psalms, that promises for the righteous. And then even in in James 5.16, it speaks about the prayers of the righteous. Um being powerful and effective. So your prayers, if you have put your faith in Christ and you are made righteous in him, your prayers are powerful and effective. That's a promise. It's, a, it's amazing. Amen? Um, so that, that's, that's the sort of static meaning of the word righteousness, this change in state that we have been made righteous. But there's also a dynamic meaning. So we are in the process of, of being made righteous, or we are called to walk out that righteousness. And the transformation that's already occurred on the inside, we need to walk that out and live that out and let that overflow into the way that we live our lives. And um, Ephesians chapter 4 has a really good example of this.
um, verse 22. It says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So here we see that, I mean, this is written by Paul, the same author of the Romans, who's already said we have been made righteous. And here he's telling us to put on righteousness. So we see the different. can you see the difference between the static? We are already made righteous, but we're also called to live out righteousness and to put on righteousness. And if we keep reading in verse 25, it says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And you see here the relational aspect. Paul then goes on and through the rest of the passage to talk about how our actions should be in relation to our brothers and sisters. Because righteousness is first and foremost, it's relational. It's, it needs to live, be lived out in the way that we relate and um, to those around us. So he goes on and he says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So we see that we have both aspects of righteousness here. We have righteousness in our relationships with other people. We're called to be kind and compassionate to one another, building one another up. And it also concerns our relationship with God. We are called not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but to stay in step when we hear Holy Spirit say something obey and keep keep uh like work out our righteousness in terms of our relationship with god in that way um in matthew it talks about uh hungering and thirsting after righteousness and then in first timothy it talks about pursuing righteousness so there is this call for us to be hungry and to be pursuing righteousness um it's not something it's something that we need to be growing in it's not something there is this um, aspect of righteousness that happens at that moment of salvation, but there's also this aspect of righteousness that we need to work out, that we need to pursue. We need to be pursuing right relationships with those around us. We need to be thinking about how do I live out righteousness in a more concrete way. And um, things like social justice also play in that into that as well and um, we're going to talk about that more at home group this week so if you're interested in that but thinking about how our actions affect the lives of those around us and how we can fight for those that are um, not as well off as us fight for those who have been oppressed Um, that's part I think that's part of righteousness it's part of walking out righteousness and in second Corinthians Paul talks about weapons of righteousness and I was thinking about I was thinking about what does it mean that righteousness can be a weapon 
how does how does our living in right relationships with other people translate into a weapon? And um, I, I, I can think of some, some wrong, wrong examples of how this is used. And right now in Australia, there's a, um, a big debate on same-sex marriage. Um, it's actually not legal in Australia currently. And um, there's, the government decided to, to have a vote about whether or not it should be legalized. But as a result, there's been a lot of campaigning um, from both sides on yes and for no. And there's been a lot of hatred coming out of both sides. Um, a lot of Christians that, um, well-meaning um, in, their, in their campaigning for it not to be legalized, but just in the way that they've gone about it, um, you know, kind of bordering on that self-righteousness, like this is how we live and we don't care about the way our actions affect other people. And I, I believe that they're in their hearts well-meaning, but I don't think that's what it means to be weapons of righteousness. It's not about taking our standard of truth and just parading it around and berating people with going around saying, you're living in sin uh, and you need to repent. I don't think that's what Paul means when he talks about weapons of righteousness, although I think that is often the way that in the church we've, we've sort of used that. I think it, it means um, to live in righteousness, but there is power, there is something powerful in us living in righteousness and living in love living in um, consideration of the people around us. I think there's something powerful that happens when we are living in intimacy with God, in relationship with God, and in um, and considerate, being considerate and being in love to the people around us. Asking God, how do you see this person? How do you see this person and how can I love them? And loving them. And, and yes, sometimes speaking the truth in love but loving them. And I think there's something powerful that happens when we choose to live that way because it transforms the people around us. Um, I was reading a testimony today online written um, coming out of this debate in Australia of a lady who had um, been living in um, a same-sex relationship and came started off investigating Christianity by reading the Gospels and wanting to prove it all wrong because she had experienced so much hate coming out of the, the Christian church. But as she read the Gospels, she had an encounter with God and, um, and came to know Christ through that. And she, um, she didn't share a lot about her relationship, uh, her journey through um, like same-sex attraction because that wasn't really the point of her... Um, her testimony, but what she did say was it was the fact she got around people who loved her and who um, really like, didn't judge her for how she had lived her life, even though she did, she changed the way she lived her life. She didn't continue living in a same-sex um, relationship, but they, they just loved on her and they didn't judge her and they, they understood that she was, that there was a struggle happening and, um, and so she just talked about how, like, whether you, whether you think same-sex marriage should be legalized or not, um, however you view the Bible on this issue, living in such a way to love the people around you and to um, remember that they are made in the image of God. And so I was really, I was really touched by, by her testimony about that. And I think that's, 
that's really, that's what true righteousness is. True righteousness is linked to love. It's walking in love, um, walking in a way that cares for the people around us and that preaches Jesus by our actions. You know, if we look at how Jesus lived in the Gospels, he didn't, like, he, um, he had dinner with tax collectors. And he didn't, I don't think he sat at that dinner saying, you guys need to return all the money that you've been stealing. You're, you're living a wrong life. He, he ate with them. He fellowshiped with them. He loved them. And they were so touched by that that they changed the way they lived their lives. Think of Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector and had stolen money. He climbed a tree just to see Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm coming to your house and I'm going to eat at your house. And Zacchaeus said, okay. And he's like, I'm, and I'm going to give four, ta- four times, I think it is, back for, from everyone that I've stolen. Jesus didn't ask him to change the way he lived. Jesus loved him, and Zacchaeus repented and changed the way he lived. And I think that's the kind of righteousness, that's the power that's in righteousness. When we live in righteousness, when we live in love, uh, we don't have to necessarily call out the sin in people's lives. They will, they will have an encounter with God when they encounter us because God lives in us. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much all I have to say about righteousness. Um, let's just spend some, some time in prayer.